Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well. And to the ladies and moms here, happy Mother's Day. I hope you're doing well today. And um, I, you moms and you ladies who are here in the room, um, you provide so much in our lives. And uh, I love today. I love Mother's Day. i am be honest with you, it's a little bit more difficult for me these days. These past few years, I lost my mom three years ago. So if you're here today and you lost your mom, um, I know what that's like. On Mother's Day, it's a little bit more difficult, but we always can go back and remember and have memories of our moms and just uh, all that they did for us um, in our lives. And so, hey, it's Mother's Day. We're in a series called World Upside Down, and I thought it would be very apropos today to talk about uh, what the, the new church, the very first church, did to turn the world upside down in terms of the way that women were viewed on Mother's Day. I think it's very appropriate, especially given our culture today. Um, we uh, are in the midst of a, the Me Too culture, and um, boy, over the last even nine months, it's been amazing to see in culture um, how kind of the Band-Aid has been ripped off of some secret things in our world, things that were hidden. And I think the Bible actually has a lot to say about that, as well as many of the creeds and many of the things that we just sang about and the things that we just saw and uh, many of the different beliefs that were established in the first century. And so today we're going to be taking a look at that, honoring our moms. I'm really glad that you're here today. Um, Moms, um, have you ever um, woken up on Mother's Day and you were given a gift and you're like, okay, nice Mother's Day gift, right? Um, I I did some research this week. I read several articles uh, about Mother's Day gifts, bad Mother's Day gifts. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but moms, have you ever been given a really bad Mother's Day gift? Um, I'm sure that you have. It might even happen today, all right? Um, And let me remind you, men and kids who are in here, um, the worst Mother's Day gift is no Mother's Day gift at all, right? All right? So, um, and the, the... like, you know, new attendees gift that you get at uh, guest services doesn't count. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Walmart's open, so have fun with that. All right, so, uh, but uh, com- just kind of compiled a, a list of some of the, the worst Mother's Day gifts and kind of just got an idea from many of these different articles of what some of the worst Mother's Day gifts are. Um, anything that plugs in. It's a bad Mother's Day gift. If it plugs in, it's probably not a good Mother's Day gift. Am I right, moms? Pretty much for the most part, yeah, all right? If it plugs in, appliances, we kind of include that there. Like, you know, don't get your mom a vacuum cleaner on Mother's Day, right? Some of you are like, I got to go back to Walmart today. All right. Uh, The same gift as last year, right? That's not a good Mother's Day gift, is it? The same gift as last year. Um, Yard tools. I actually read a story about a mom who got a shovel and some other things, a rake, for Mother's Day. Yeah, so that's not a good gift. Um, Video games. I grew up in the 1970s and 80s, and uh, back in the 1970s and 80s, there was this thing called Intellivision. Some of you may remember Intellivision. It was, uh, you know, it was like Xbox, except it never really was that great. But anyway, for Mother's Day one year, my dad and my sister and I went out to the store and we bought my mom an Intellivision. And then we had to go get her a real Mother's Day gift later that week. So uh, that really did happen. And then this is an interesting one that I saw over and over and over again. Cash is a bad Mother's Day gift. Is that right, ladies? Yeah? No, no, no. I just want to make it clear, if it's bad for you on Mother's Day, 
it's not bad on Father's Day, okay? Cash is fine, all right? So just, that's my opinion. It's my opinion. Also read this uh, little article um, that included uh, this quote, a cartoon. It talked about a cartoon that was uh, drawn many years ago. It showed a psychologist talking to a patient, a mom, and it said, let's see, you spend 50% of your energy on your job, 50% on your husband, and 50% on your children. I think I see your problem. And I love that. And doesn't that describe what a mom is all about? It really does. You know, I think that uh, maybe the church has done moms and women a disservice through the years. Certainly our silence on some of the issues that have come up over the last nine months and the last year um, has been disappointing at best. And I believe that the church and our ladies in our life, the women in our life, moms included, deserve um, for the church to say what is true. And that is, is Jesus had a tremendous amount of kindness and love and respect for women. And the first church continued to walk in that spirit of kindness and love, respect, and empowerment for women. And that's what we're going to take a look at today, is what did Jesus do? What was Jesus' approach to women, and what was the first church's approach to women? I want to begin with three statements and then bring some application today. Uh, The first statement is this, just talking about women in the first church, moms included, women in the first church. First and foremost, in the first century, um, women were generally disrespected, marginalized, and ignored. In the first century, in general, in culture, women in general were, were, were generally disrespected, marginalized, and ignored. Does that sound familiar? It sounds familiar, doesn't it? We often have a um, kind of attitude of marginalizing certainly our moms at times, but women in general. And I think that the first century culture is probably a good example of what we're dealing with in our culture today. We have done what the first century did in many ways. And that has led us to a society that right now is trying to grapple with and wrestle with sexism and misogyny and trying to undo some of the harm, hopefully undo some of the harm that we've caused women in the past. The first century Women were generally disrespected and marginalized and ignored. But I want you to hear the second point, and that is this. Jesus set the example of how to treat women with the highest level of respect and of kindness and equality. Jesus got it. He understood this. He set the example of how to treat women with the highest level of respect and of kindness and equality, and I want to give you a few examples here. The first one comes from Luke 8, 1 through 3. Now remember that Luke, this author that um, is writing this, is the same author who went on and wrote the rest of the story, and he wrote Acts, the book that we're walking through right now. He wrote the rest of the story in the book of Acts. So Luke and then Acts, and Acts is almost like a continuation of Luke. And so read this. Um, Soon afterward, he, talking about Jesus, went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing good news of the kingdom of God, and the 12, his 12 followers were there with him. And verse 2 says, also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. I want to stop there for a second. Um, The very mention of women in Luke's gospel is shocking and surprising and turned culture upside down. 
Just the very mention of women, because in that day and age, um, women were thought of, and I hate to even say this and voice it, but it was true, they were thought of mainly as property. But Jesus changed that. He changed all of that. That's the whole reason he came. He changed all of that, and Luke includes it. He says also, some of the women who had been healed of spirits and infirmities, and then Mary called Mary Magdalene, from whom demons had gone out. He mentions specifically a few others in the rest of the verses there. And I want you to hear that Jesus came to serve all mankind, everyone, all of humanity. But he was specifically and particularly kind and encouraging and empowering to women. John 19 says this, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. There were quite a few Marys surrounding Jesus all the time. There were different women and a lot of them's name were Mary. It reminds me of uh, when I was in Romania on a missions trip and we had a small group meeting and um, we spoke English and they didn't speak much English and there were a bunch of guys and um, a bunch of ladies in there and we had an interpreter and we went around the room and introduced ourselves and every lady in the room was like, you know, Mary, Mary, Mary Catherine, Mary Elizabeth, Mary, Mary, Mary. It was so funny to see that and I would imagine Jesus had the same thing. But in this passage, I want you to check this out because what he does here in one of the last seven words of Jesus from the cross, he shows incredible kindness and care for his mom. When Jesus, in verse 26, saw his mother, there he is hanging from the cross, and he looks out and he sees his mom. And the disciple whom he loved, talking about John, standing nearby, he said to his, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. He's there on the cross he sees his mom. He sees his mother. He says, woman, behold your son. And he wasn't trying to cause pain in her life, although I'm sure that as a human she had pain because she saw her son hanging there on the cross. But what he was trying to communicate to her was, I am the son of God. Your son, the one that you gave birth to supernaturally, is the son of God. And here I am hanging on the cross for the sins of the world. And he says, mother, behold your son. But then he goes on. He says to his disciple, the disciple John, he said, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. One of the very last things that Jesus did while he was hanging on the cross was to ensure that his earthly mom was taken care of. And in saying to John, behold your mother, he was saying, I want you to care for her because I'm gone. We see that grace and that kindness. John 20, 15, Jesus says to her, speaking of his mother, woman, why are you weeping? Whom, do you, whom are you seeking? Um, suppose, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And we see him interacting over and over and over again with women and providing incredible care and tenderness and grace to women. Jesus, listen, I want you to hear this. Jesus set the standard, men and boys, who are within the reach of my voice of how we should treat women in our world and in our lives. He set the standard with grace and kindness and tenderness and the third part I want you to hear today is this, that the leaders of the first church were advocates of women serving in key leadership roles in the church, and Acts highlights, not diminishes the importance of 
unqualified, the unqualified, the important unqualified impact women had on the spread of the gospel in the first century. Listen, we're, we're talking about the first church and how it turned society upside down and how they were arrested because they served, and how once they got out of jail, they prayed for more boldness in preaching the gospel. And, and then we're going to see um, that how they go on to spread the gospel, and they turn the world upside down by reaching into the world and, and going into different cultures. And one of the great things that they did is they turned racism on its head. We'll talk about that in, in uh, future uh, weeks. But they also turned this idea that women didn't matter on its head. And they said to the world, they do matter. They do matter. And the first, Jesus said it, but the first church continued in that same vein. Check out just a few things in Acts 2, 17, right at the beginning of the first church, right as the Holy Spirit has come down upon those who are followers of Jesus, and right at the beginning of, we see that first church beginning to come together, verse 17 says, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh and your sons and your, say it with me, your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. He says this in verse 18, even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. The spirit of God moving in and through the people who made up the first church leveled the playing field between men and women and those who were slave and those who were free and those who were white and those who were black, it changed everything. Verse 21 says, It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, before this, it was a small fraction, a tiny slice of the culture that could engage with God, that could engage with spiritual things, that could do things for God, that could serve for him and, and alongside him. And Jesus came and the first church continued and they said no longer does it need to be a small slice that the gospel is for and that the gospel is going to, to, to be sent out into the world and, and, and reached through. It's a wide slice of humanity, women included. And I think in modern times, maybe we as a church have done a disservice to women we've maybe limited the scope of the impact that women could have in our culture and upon the gospel. Acts 15.22 says this, I love this. This is right as the first missionary journey is taking place. And they sent out men and they did that on, for a reason because it was a very dangerous thing to travel outside of your area. And so in verse 22 of Acts chapter 15, I love this. Luke writes this, Then it seemed good to the apostles, those are the leaders of the church, and the elders with the whole church. That was new. That means women and men. The whole church chose to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas leading men among the brothers. The whole church chose the first people who would go on that very first missionary journey, women included. They were among the ones 
who chose those to go into all the world and to spread the gospel, as we're going to see in a few weeks. Acts 17, verse 4, real quick here. And some of them were, were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Verse 12, many of them therefore believed not a few Greek women, uh, uh, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. We see throughout all of Acts that the first church was serious about using men and women for the advance of the gospel, and that was turning culture on its head. And the question I want to ask this morning is, how can we, in 2018, be a part of changing that culture so that the message of the gospel continues to go to the ends of the earth? How can we change this sexist, misogynistic environment? How can we as a church lead in that effort and still remain faithful to the gospel? I think there are three things that we can do. Uh, three things, three statements, three questions, and then three action steps. First and foremost, I think that we need to be honest with ourselves. I think we first and foremost need to be honest with ourselves. I think we need to ask this question. Do I have any obvious or maybe hidden underlying sexist or misogynistic attitudes that maybe have not surfaced in my own life? And I think that we as Christians owe it to the gospel message and to women and to men and to humanity and to our families to ask that question. Because those underlying root attitudes are the things that lead to the stuff that we see every night on TV, that we see on the internet, that we encounter. And I think that we've got to be honest and ask ourselves, do I have any underlying attitudes that are going to be a problem? Because at the very core of this whole thing that's come out, the band-aid being ripped off, People in every corner of society of the world today being faced with these issues at the center of it, at the core of it, at the root of it is just sin. An attitude of sinfulness, an attitude that I matter more, that I'm better than, that other people are not equal to me. And at the core root of that is an attitude. And so the action step on that is we pray about it and ask God to reveal that to us is that we confess and repent of those attitudes and that we move forward. That we confess and repent of any attitudes, men, boys, that we confess of any attitude that we might have that might be belittling to women in general and women in our lives. One of the greatest honors that we can do to honor our moms honor the, the women, the ladies in our lives is to be honest about our own attitudes. To ask God's Holy Spirit to seek our hearts, to seek out our minds, to see as David said, is there any way within me that's evil, anything that's in me that's evil? The second thing that I think that we can do to be a part of it is to lead for change. To lead for change. And ask the question, am I leading those I influence to be the torchbearers of treating all people with respect and kindness and equality? Am I leading those who I have the greatest influence on to be the torchbearers of treating all people with respect and kindness and equality? 
Let me take a moment and talk to dads for a moment. If you're a father, if you serve in the role of a father, I know it's Mother's Day, but moms, I'm going to talk to the dads for a moment. I believe one of the greatest responsibilities that we have as fathers is to teach our sons, those of you who have sons or grandsons, or if you serve in the role of a father, to teach them respect for women. I think one of the greatest stress fractures that has led to these huge, huge gaps in society is the lack of strong male leadership teaching our sons, leading by example with our sons to treat women with kindness and respect and equality and serving them the way that Christ served the church. If we begin to get that, oh man, as a society, as Christians, as the church, we can be leaders in changing the culture on this issue. And that's my action step, to model and to teach and to train and correct those you have influence over in their lives. I have an 11-year-old son, and I know that right now is the time that I need to be teaching him and leading him and modeling for him how he's going to treat his future wife and daughters. And I don't even like thinking about that for a second. (laughs) So I think we need to be honest. I think we need to lead for change. And then lastly, I think we need to model Christ. We need to model Jesus in this. We need to take what he did and model this. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is Paul speaking and writing to the church in Philippi, but also to us today. He says this. Who, through, uh, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he, Jesus, God's own son, made himself, man, I want you to say that next word with me, nothing, nothing. He made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he, say that next word, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, I believe that this whole issue that we have in our culture with sexism and misogyny and this attitude that has resulted in terrible things being done to women all across the world, particularly by people of great importance and power in powerful positions, I think it comes back to the fact that we as men don't view ourselves as a servant like Jesus did. The question I want you to ask is do I think more highly of myself than those around me? Do I think more highly of myself than those around me? And the action step is, am I actively finding ways to promote, encourage, and empower those around me, even if it cost me something? I'm going to be real honest for a second. It's hard for us guys to humble ourselves to the point of being a servant. Isn't it, men? 
if we're really honest, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. But if we're going to truly have an impact and turn the world upside down on these issues, it's going to be something that we as Christian men do without fail. That we serve the way that Jesus served. That we love the way Jesus loved. That we humble ourselves. That we take any pride that we have and we give that to God. And it's amazing what would happen in families. It's amazing what would happen in marriages. It's amazing what would happen in our society if we took on that type of attitude. My mom and my dad were far from perfect parents. Dad, if you're listening to this podcast, it's true. (laughs) But my mom and dad modeled a good Christian marriage. And one of the things that my dad taught me was that after a week that he had traveled five to six days of the week, pretty much about 40 weeks a year, that when he entered that home, his job was to humble himself and to serve myself, my sister, but especially my mom. He understood that throughout the week, he was the big man on campus, changing things in his work world, being respected as a great leader, having his ego stroked maybe a few times. When he walked in that door, he was there to serve. And there's not a greater calling for us men, there's not a greater leadership activity than for us to walk in our homes and to have the mind of a servant. That would change culture if we all did that. And so moms, on this Mother's Day, I realize it's kind of a heavy message. I realize we live in a heavy time in our culture on these issues. But I want you to know, we thank you so much, moms, for all that you do, for all the good that you do, for the great way that you love your family, your husbands, the people in your lives, for how hard you work, for giving 50% of yourself, for giving another 50%, and giving another 50% somehow. And I would hope and I would pray that you men would take up the challenge to change any attitudes you may have, to find out where you can have influence and lead for change, and then take on the form of a servant so that you can lead your home with humility, not with power. Father God, I thank you so much that when you decided to send your son Jesus, that you came to die for the sins of the whole world, that you came to be the redeemer for all of mankind, that you served with and for men and women. And God, I thank you that your church, the first church, made very little distinction in terms of the impact that men and women both can have on the spread of the gospel message. God, we thank you for that model. And God, we thank you that you set the stage, you set the bar 
that the first church just kept on. It turned the world upside down. And God, I thank you so much that we, your church, your people in 2018, have the opportunity to help turn culture upside down, to repair much of the damage that's been done, to love and respect the women in our lives, whether it's moms or daughters or sisters, aunts, grandparents, grandmothers. God, I pray that we as men would humble ourselves and that we would act as a servant to the ladies in our lives. God, I pray that we would do it with joy. I pray that we would do it with a great humility. And God, I pray that you would seek our hearts and seek our minds, that your Holy Spirit would inspect us, and that in those moments when we know we've got it wrong, that we would be quick to admit our faults, our attitudes, and our failures in this, and that we would give it to you. Culture is a mess right now, Father, and I pray that we as a church would be part of the solution to that problem. God, that you would be honored because the church responds well to these issues with strength yet humility. And God, I pray that uh, you would honor and bless all the moms who are in here, all those who serve in the role of a mom. God, I pray that you would give them comfort when they make mistakes to realize that um, your grace covers everything, that we today and every day would honor them for the role that they play in our lives. And God, we thank you so much for Jesus and the grace that we have in him we give you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.